Hello everyone, welcome to the Memorial Heights Baptist Church podcast. Today's message was given by a guest speaker named Ben Cooper during our Wednesday evening prayer service on August 15th, 2021. We have services multiple times throughout the week that we would love to see you at. They are Sunday morning Bible study at 9.15 a.m., Sunday morning service at 10.30 a.m., Sunday evening service for adults at 6.30 p.m., for the youth group on Sundays at 6 o'clock p.m., and Wednesdays at 6.30 p.m. We want to thank you for spending time listening today and encourage you to share these messages with a friend so they too might hear the Word of God. But for now, grab your Bible, open your ears, and let's get into it. And uh, when I first moved back uh, with Gigi and Elijah, Pastor Don asked me to uh, pull, do some pulpit supply uh, a couple times at Cumberland Bible, and so I uh, had the opportunity to reconnect with Ben and uh, get to know him better now than I did when I was a, a kid. And uh, Ben uh, is uh, uh, a teacher and a beekeeper and an author and uh, just a really interesting guy, and I asked Ben if he would come speak to us tonight. So Ben, come tell us what uh, God's laid on your heart. I assume you've got me mic'd up. Good to go. Those didn't hear the deacons and talked a little bit beforehand. When DJ came, when Pastor DJ came, comes to Cumberland Bible Church, he tend to be a little bit long in his sermons, especially on Sunday. So uh, recompense is mine. No, I'm just kidding. Um, It's an honor to be here. I've driven by this church. I'm a transplant from north of Pittsburgh. I grew up on a dairy farm, went to Penn State, got an ag science degree, came back here, or came here uh, in 87 and worked 32 years for Maryland Department of Agriculture. Um, I had a job that some of you might like. I got paid to go out and walk on people's farms. Uh, Great job, Uh, but it was political and I was glad to be retired and out of there before COVID hit. And I know that you have a prayer time, but isn't it devastating to see what's going on in Afghanistan? People clinging to the airplanes to want to leave, and 40,000 Americans that are trapped there. Um, I hope that's on your prayer list for tonight. Um, Just devastating, and, you know, we wouldn't have thought this two years ago. Uh, We wouldn't have thought this two months ago, Uh, but it gives us opportunity to pray. I will share uh, a little bit about my testimony, just real simple. Uh, I'm a firm believer. Some of the connections that DJ and I have are New Life Bible Camp Um, and the activities and things that go there. See him sometimes when they have special programs. Uh, sometimes get to hear him sing or lead music. Uh, but camping ministry is very important to me because at age 12 I was saved through camping ministry. Um, so uh, get them while they're young and, and hold on to them. Um, uh, I'm a firm believer. And I spent um, just three weeks ago teaching 7th and 8th grade. I taught them a copy. Uh, I gave them all a copy of my first book, might be a little bit um, 
heavier reading for them. Um, but All Nature Sings, I like the song that you started off with. It kind of reminded me. Uh, this is my father's world in that first verse. All nature sings and round me rings the beauty of the spheres. That's where I got my title, but it's a devotional guide of, the, of animals in the Bible. And uh, just to give you a quick story, and I'll come back to it. Um, my wife and I, mostly my wife, homeschooled all five of our kids. My youngest is 19, my oldest is 29, and uh, kudos to her, she did even the driver's education. Um, I didn't have the patience to do that uh, because uh, when my son was weed whacking weeds with the side mirror, um, I said, uh, he said he couldn't drive when there wasn't a line in the middle of the road. And I said, drive like there's a tractor around every corner. And so he almost went off the road. Uh, and I said, I can't do this. So my wife had the patience to do that. Uh, but we were thankfully that uh, all of our kids are believers, all five of our kids. We have three boys and two girls, uh, t 19 to 29. Um, none of them at this time are married. Um, my youngest said she hopes she hasn't found her future husband yet because she hasn't been impressed. So she has the bar high, and um, I hope she keeps it that way. Uh, at 19, and then 21 is uh, my daughter. Uh, 23, our son Sean is moving in two, 10 days, closing on a house, his first house, 10 days. You might see him. He's a manager at, at Arby's. He's been there for quite a while. Um, and then Hayden and Wesley's my oldest, or our oldest. But uh, greetings from just a few blocks over, or a mile or so, uh, Cumberland Bible Church. Uh, a small, small church, but uh, we feel years ago God moved us to the center of where God's light needed to be shined, right there in South Cumberland. Um, and pray for our church. It's mostly old members. My kids plus one make up the young adults. Um, and we have nobody under in the school age. So pray for Cumberland Bible Church and Pastor Don as he shares. Uh, like I said, I grew up on a farm, saved uh, at age 12 at camp ministry. But there's a lot of people uh, that prayed and worked on me, and the Holy Spirit worked on me. I uh, had the opportunity to go out of the country four times to um, share in camp ministries in the Caribbean. And... Uh, one of the persons that I shared uh, with and he trusted in the Lord spent seven summers working at New Life Bible Camp, uh, Kerry Bonaparte, and I just talked to him two nights ago. He accepted his first pastorate and he's in Oklahoma. Uh, he's teaching school at a K through 12 school plus being a pastor of a small, a big Baptist church with very few people, but they do have 15 children and he's got five of his own. I asked him, where did you come up? Why, why are you having so many kids? And he's got three boys and two girls, and he said, just like you. He said, um, I'm his, I'm his uh, spiritual father and um, actually stood in and was uh, listed as his uh, earthly father in his wedding when he got married. So uh, I hope you're thinking of passing on um, that spiritual heritage as well, not just to your kids, but any of the kids that come in through the church here because um, it's a cruel and a dark world. I think it's getting darker each day we wake up, so we need to start our days with God. 
of just a few years or to give you a quick uh, a quick background after I was saved and I was one of those kids you know if uh, if you'd say well God I kind of did everything right I didn't go off the deep end and there was no huge repentance but it is a huge repentance because we're all sinners and we're lost and we need to be saved and at 12 um, I escaped a lot of the problems that teenagers get um, I'm 60 years old, I haven't smoked a cigarette yet, uh, and I'm not planning on starting it. You know, it's just I escaped a lot of things, and God allowed me um, to recognize that, and his spirit wooed me whenever I was young, growing up in a, in a church family. But my brother, younger brother, I can't say that. He had a mental disability, not sure, uh, chemical imbalance, and um, I'll, I'll get into that. But um, 19 years ago, I had cancer. And there was probably some people from this church that prayed for me. I had a craniotomy and a um, rhinectomy. That's where they cut your nose, they cut your head, they removed this much of my forehead, cut a third of my eye socket out, and got cancer out of me that I just breathed in. You know, my, my crime was breathing, so I breathed it in. Um, but in 1996, Pastor DJ's dad was leading... Bible Institute at Cumberland, or at Cornerstone, and I went through actually five years of uh, the institute there and enjoyed it because it took me through every book of the Bible except one. Just my, when I went in, I didn't get to go through James. Oddly enough, I started teaching James, and when I got cancer, I called for the elders of the church to lay hands on me and pray. And you know, that's the first time, oh, we don't want to get too charismatic here. You know, that's the way Cumberland Bible Church was historically. And um, don't get too charismatic, but I said, I called for the elders and I said, I, I want prayer. And we've done that several times since. Um, and, uh, you know, it's in the Bible, so it's not just reserved for one group of people. And, but whenever I was in the Cumberland uh, Cornerstone Bible Institute, DJ's dad, uh, I, I would write papers. When I would write, I would always include animals. He would sign things. He taught theology, and, um, and, and I enjoyed the classes, but when we had to write, I would always look at the, it, it's from my background, my agricultural background, and I would write on animals, and he just said in passing, you know, you could probably write a book on animals in the Bible. That was 1995. I started on it, or 1996, I started on it in 1996. Five kids and a busy life and everything going on, I did not uh, put much effort in it, except for when thoughts came down and I jotted down a piece of paper, uh, those thoughts. Then cancer hit. And 2002, I had 10 and a half hours of cancer surgery, brain surgery, um, and um, so, can't write a book now I've got to get through cancer five years cancer free which I did 2016 came I got another cancer so I'm a double cancer survivor I just hit my five years cancer free again um, this past spring and so going through two types of cancer and the first cancer was life-threatening the second cancer was life-changing not necessarily in a good way but just uh, I had a 35% chance of making it through the first cancer. 
surgery and 130 radiation treatments to the face. So I have some long-term ill effects of radiation. I have cataracts and when we get to looking at some scripture, I'm probably gonna call on some of you to just stand up and read it because if, it, if you have a Bible, anybody have a Bible that says large print on it? Don't believe it, they're, they're, they're lying. They're lying because large print means it goes from a font six to a font eight or uh, whatever. You need the giant super size, um, you know, uh, for me. And my cataracts are getting worse. And those that might have ever had to deal with a hip replacement, they want you to wait as long as possible before they have the hip replacement because they only want to do it once. They told me last year, we want you to wait as long as possible so we only have to do cataract surgery once. So. Some days my eyesight is better than others, and we'll see. But God purposed, I think, in that cancer. How many people do you know that have cancer twice and say, I thank God for cancer? The first time I thank God I had cancer because it wasn't my wife and it wasn't my children. If, how many parents are here, grandparents? Would you change places with those kids? And that was my therapy. God allowed me to go through cancer so my wife and my kids, because if they went through it, I don't know what I would have done. I would have felt helpless and helpless, uh, even being a Christian. Um, so that was my therapy in the first round, uh, which was quite intensive. Uh, my second time of cancer, just so you know, the second one was prostate cancer. And I had a robot down at Hopkins do the surgery. Um, and Three days after, I, I, I murmured and complained, like, an, like a good Israelite would. Um, I murmured and complained for three days, and I said, you know what? I had three months to wait for surgery. That's an eternity. And so I decided, what am I going to do? And I flipped back to that idea of writing a book, and I used a paper and a pen to change worry to writing. And I started writing, and that's where all nature sings that's how that came about. Anytime I would worry, fret, or be concerned, or be overwhelmed, not knowing what this life-threatening cancer that I have, um, what the outcome is gonna be, uh, I wrote. Well, that not, I'm sorry, not the first one, the second one, uh, I wrote uh, for prostate cancer. And it's, uh, what's it gonna do to me? How is it gonna change my life? And I wrote, and I wrote, and I wrote. And that allowed the first book. A year later, almost a year later, went to a Christian Writers Conference in Ohio, and um, I pitched an idea of another book that I had, and the person said, why don't you take your book that you wrote and write a children's book? And I, I said, I'm not a children's author. I, I wouldn't even have an idea how to do that. And so uh, book number two came out last year, Created Critters with Wings, DJ and Gigi, I think, um, share with uh, Elijah to get to read it. Has he found all the bees? He finds all, there's a hidden bee in, in the pages. And I'm waiting for my publisher, um, Christian publisher, to finish up and publish the second in the series, Created Critters with Fur. And that has a hidden mouse in every page. But when I share, and um, DJ and I talked about um, uh, even coming and talking with Awana whenever that kicks in. I like to use a lot of things that are visual. Um, so I'm going to share a visual. Is that okay to 
How many people like children's sermons when you're adults? I've heard people say that they've gotten more out of the children's sermon than they did out of the message. Sorry, Pastor. Um, but in my book, um, most of the animals and the critters that I uh, write about are about things that I had experience with. I spent um, probably at least a year working with a master falconer. I wanted to be a falconer. I just wrote a devotional. I, um, it's a different story. I'm not going to go on that sideline, but uh, it, God dropped it in my lap, and, and I'm now writing for Guidepost. Uh, and um, just sent in last week my, my devotions for all God's creatures, one of Guidepost's publications, 2023. It doesn't come out till 2023. But um, I just wrote one of them about being a kid. When I was 16, I approached my dad and I said, can I get pilot's license instead of driver's license? And he thought I was crazy. Um, and probably a good thing because my eyes never were great. Now they're not really good at all with cataracts on them. But we had an airport next to the farm and they circled. Every 15 minutes there was a plane going around. And I loved to watch the airplanes fly. Cubs, Cessnas, and Pipers just loved it. And we lived a mile and a half uh, from that. And I said, he said, well, how are you even going to get there? I said, I'll ride my bike and, and to get, but it cost $1,000, and that was, might as well have been a million. Um, but the next best thing is watching then the hawks, the uh, birds of prey that would fly around the farm. So I have some feathers as a reminder it's illegal to actually have birds of prey feathers, even if you find them. Somebody that wants to be, um, uh, I guess, very tight about the rules and regulations of migratory birds, they are um, protected, even if you find them out in, the, out in the wild. These are turkey feathers. So if you will, uh, use them, if, use your imagination that they are... Um, any bird of prey. But I'm going to stick these in here and arrange these and I want to share with you because if I shared this idea I can share it with the kids and drop it down a couple notches and levels but the problem is they do not understand some of the words that I'm going to use in here. So I'm going to pull out My little reference sheet. If I can't read, do these glasses help up here, DJ, or are they? You don't know whose they are. Leftover from some other pastor, I guess. Um, they, um, birds of prey. Anybody ever remember Floyd Presley that used to love to, love to be uh, in conversation with him? And I had some uh, dealings with Floyd, great Christian man, bird of prey, uh, had birds in Frostburg, used to come uh, to different churches and things. I don't know if he's been here before, but um, he passed away several years ago. But I really uh, enjoyed the ministry that, that he had. And um, let me finish putting my feathers together here. Birds of prey are quite unique. We have chickens and 
when I work with the young kids, I like to get them involved as much as possible. And sorry that uh, this is about as good as you can get, but this would be a right or left wing. And anybody have chickens here? Anybody who used to have chickens or raise them? When they molt, they lose all their feathers at one time. That's okay because they're basically ground birds and you feed them. They're domesticated so much that they rely on humans. Birds of prey, when they molt, they do not. This is an exercise. Here, everybody's got their bird. You put your bird fingers out in your wings. When a bird of prey loses this wing, it loses this wing as well. Why would God design it that way? Balance, keyword balance. So when this one would fall off, this one would fall off. Go with me and think with me uh, what would happen. Eagles are making a comeback. I actually can see eagle once in a while from my own property um, out towards Mount Savage. And Rocky Gap has a couple. Uh, they haven't found any nesting sites, but e eagles are making a comeback. They're off the endangered list. And uh, I just love to watch even the Budios, the buzzards, the soaring hawks can soar for at least 35, 40 minutes and never beat their wing once. How do they get lifted up? It's the heat thermals that are reflecting off of the ground. Hot air rises and you can see those birds almost touch the ground, but they turn and they catch a heat thermal and it lifts them up to the point where sometimes my master falconer uh, was standing in a parking lot of a grocery store walking around and I said, Mr. Plouffe, what are you doing? He said, that's my red-tailed hawk. She flew off from me a month ago. And I couldn't even see. She was a speck in the sky, but she could see him. And she was circling him. And he was trying to get her to come down. But once she left, she didn't want to come back because she's a wild creature. Um, but you have to manage and balance their weight. You don't hunt them on a full stomach. You hunt and train them hungry so that you feed them and otherwise they'll fly off. But um, she was circling and he was watching and I, I watch. I, if you've ever gone on the Pennsylvania Turnpike past Bedford, the first tunnel that you go through on top of that mountain is a trap site for birds of prey for fall passage. And we went up there and um, caught birds. The first bird we caught, we didn't actually catch it. It was a um, golden eagle that was about this tall. Uh, that landed in our trap. It was too big for the trap. And um, we caught some red tails and goshawks and sharp shin cooper hawk, probably about 15 different species that was there that day, but we had permits for two. Uh, but I loved working with them. I moved to Maryland in 1987, and Pennsylvania might as well put up a wall. I had to start all over again in Maryland. So it was not good. Um, I didn't have a place to keep them like I had back at the farm, and so I never did pursue that. And I actually helped several other people get falconry license with books and training and some other things here locally. But um, balance is the key. And when I write my books and my use animals, I look at characteristic traits of animals. Think of that bird that loses balance. 
and it crashes into a tree or gets hit by a vehicle and two or three of its wings get ripped up. It can't if it can fly, it can't fly right. If it can't fly right with precision, that eagle that, wha- that has to grab with its talons fish out of the water source, the lake or a pond or a stream, if it misses by this much, it misses a meal. How many meals can it miss, especially if it has babies or fledglings to, to feed? And I, uh, I look at characteristics of the animals that God has placed in my life and I've learned some things of how to live as a Christian. And there's a process that I read in the books of what a falconer can do when there's a problem and a bird misses a wing. A falconer is allowed to repair by collecting and saving the wings and clipping them using a small toothpick. Remember, wings and bones of birds are hollow. Using a small toothpick, I can graft that wing back on and some super glue. I can graft that wing back on and it restores balance. The term that falconers use in my falconry books are called imping. I-M-P, comma, I-N-G, imping. But they never used it. It always was in quotes. Can you think of a much larger 50-cent word in our Christian lives, in our Christian doctrine, in our Christian ideals of what that word might be, imping? No? I-M-P. The first three letters are IMP. When we, when I am out of balance, somebody are saying something back there? We are imperfect, but a positive word in our in our Bibles. Imputation. Big word. Do we even know what it means? Christ's righteousness when we are a sinful creature and we come to Christ and and we're broken and we're beaten down, we're broken hardened, hardened, we can't fly, we can't soar as God meant us to soar like that eagle or that red-tailed hawk. Christ's righteousness comes in and restores balance that was taken away. We as Christians were made to soar. But because of Adam, we have sin in the world because of what's going on in Afghanistan, what's going on in South Cumberland, what's going on in our homes, in our Christian homes, and in our churches is because of sin. God's goal throughout Genesis 1 to Revelation, the end of the book, is to have fellowship to restore fellowship with mankind. Um, Things like this, I could never on my own understand what imputation means. It's setting things right. 
resetting them back the way they need to be so you can fly right, so you can soar, so you can um, be who you need to be in Christ. Um, sharing that with small kids, Awana age, they don't understand uh, some of that. And, and so I get to change that. I think my sound went off a little bit. But um, I can change that up and work with the kids because they can see a visual image like this. I'll usually take a pair of scissors, cut that feather or one or two of them, and then graft, as someone said, or basically imp that collected saved feather that was damaged because I was hunting or I was using a bird of prey and it got damaged. I can repair until that molting season goes full force and it comes back around and a new feather is restored. God, from beginning to the end of the Bible and of creation, wants to have fellowship with us. And I probably, uh, I tried to see if I brought two different lessons and I brought the papers for another lesson. I felt God wanted, it's probably in here. It should be in here. There we go. When I wrote about this in, um, I can talk loud, Rick. I had, uh, if you want to change that, is it the battery? Remember I have five kids? I know how to talk loud. Um, live and do what it needs to do still not doing it. I broke it it's okay that's what they pay him for right run back and forth DJ said so I'm gonna ask you think of your Bible history Old Testament Bible history anything come to mind of seeing an animal that is damaged and or that um, this idea of these feathers being lifted up well that's that's probably that that eagle verse on wings of eagles and and it's restored back to where um, you know you're not fading away you're not falling down you are actually running you're actually soaring so that's one of the verses that that I have Isaiah it's one of the uh, several verses that deal with eagles in the, in the Bible. Remember when Moses left Egypt, crossed over, and there was a battle. And he had to hold his arms outright with his staff. As long as his arms were held up, things were going good. But over time, he started wearing down. And so Aaron and her basically propped him up to be victorious. Um, and so I included that in my devotional book to go back and look at uh, these stories, especially in the Old Testament, where we see what's going on. Feathers are used for the birds to fly. God's love, God's righteousness that we get imputed to us from Christ allows us to soar. 
when we don't use that, we get defeated, we get depressed. I'm sure there's everybody in this, in this room that knows somebody that's been depressed. My dad deals with depression an awful lot. He's 86, soon to be 87, and he thinks that all his friends are dying. He's got a lot of younger friends, but it's just those people, the people that he is used to, they're dying, and he gets depressed, and he goes to everybody's funeral, and he isn't soaring. He's not soaring anymore. He's grounded. He's been defeated. His feathers have been plucked out by his own doing, sometimes by somebody else's doing. And so when we get defeated, you know the old story, if the glass is half full or half empty, you're an optimist or a pessimist. My dad looks at it and says, the glass is too dirty to drink from. Because it's some situation that's out of his out of That's not good. It's out of his control. How easy, it, it, how easy is it in your Christian life to stay in balance? What can tip the scales? Don't be afraid to shout out an idea. Can COVID-19 or the Delta variants tip the scales in your Christian balance? Psalm 91.1? Okay. 91.1's a good verse. Good start. Start off with. What can tip the balance and cause you as a Christian to be grounded? Sin. Obviously sin. Health, family, when things don't go your way because... We have three main issues that we deal with. The pride of life, lust of the flesh, and what's the third one? We've got distractions out there that ground us and pull our feathers out. And then we get depressed. And when we get depressed, have you ever... I've, the first year, 1989, I moved to Wellersburg, where we live now, and a neighbor shot a Cooper Hawk. On a Sunday night, I heard the gunshot. Monday after work, I found the Cooper Hawk. It was in shock, laying on the ground. Actually, my dog, first and only time it was ever on point for a bird dog. And I thought, I was mowing grass, and I went over, and there was a Cooper Hawk in shock. Um, it was grounded because it got shot. It wasn't dead. I tried to work with it, and that's where I called Floyd Presley because he was a master falconer. Um, but I was not allowed to drive it across state lines. I was a mile away, and he was, not, he was less than seven miles away from me. But federal law restricts me from giving it to him because can't transport it across state lines, especially when it's not. Um, so the bird ended up dying. Um, but that bird was grounded because of something somebody else did. Sometimes birds are grounded because of what they did. One time going into work, I found a loon standing on the middle of Bedford Street, right in the middle of Bed uh, Frederick Street, I'm sorry. 
as I was heading into work early in the morning and it had a broken leg. In the night, blacktop looks like water. Loons have to land on water. Well, it saw black, it went down, it landed on the pavement and it broke its leg. That was something that it did, not wisely. And so it caused itself to be grounded. When we're grounded, a lot of times we can never get back up in the air again. Those heat thermals are there to lift us up, but we're grounded and we can't even get, we're below where those heat thermals have access to us. Or we can't even spread our wings because our wings have been clipped and uh, we have lots of issues that we bring on ourselves. But ultimately, sin. It's because of sin. And you can go through and think and name all the different things that can ground you, but it debilitates you and it stops you from growing. And that's a weapon that Satan really likes to throw at you to stop you from being effective as a Christian. Somebody look up Psalm 34, 18. Do you allow them to read out loud, DJ? I'd turn, but um, for the sake of time. Who has Psalm 34, 18? Raise your hand and read it, read it loud so everybody can hear. The ESV says the cr a crushed spirit. A broken heart and a crushed spirit. Do you know any Christians with a broken heart and a crushed spirit? That's not the way God wanted it to be. Psalm 147.3. Somebody want to look that one up? Psalm 147.3. Go ahead and read that. He healeth the broken in heart and bindeth up their wounds. God is in the restoration business. Amen. Just think of you before salvation and after salvation. There was restoration there, and he has to keep going back. The hardest thing, a friend of mine wrote a devotion, and they bought their parents. She bought her parents' house, and it laid empty for, th for 20 years. Worst thing can happen for a house. The roof has leaks, the foundation has issues. And she had to decide, do I put the money in to rebuild the whole thing or do I de demolish it all? She decided, or her and her husband decided to rebuild. But they had to start at the foundation and build back up again and restore that broken house. Um, God sometimes has to bring us back to a point to where he can work with what, what he has and then build us back up to where we can soar, where we can fly again. 2 Corinthians 12, 9. Somebody have 2 Corinthians 12, 9. Go ahead, please read that. God provides sufficient grace. 
Moses couldn't do it on his own. The battle would have been lost. Sometime God provides sufficient grace to our brothers and sisters in our family, in our church, and in our circles, in our Christian circles. But pride sneaks in and says, I don't want, I don't want anybody to know that I have a problem or I don't want any, anybody to know uh, that there's issues in my life. I put a facade on and I act the part, but I, inwardly I'm grounded. I can't soar like God wants, wants me to. And those in the church family probably can pick up on things. And so I want to revert back as I close to tell you just a little story about my own personal life. My brother, I told you, had a mental chemical imbalance. And at ninth grade, he quit going to church. A few times he went to somebody's wedding, but he didn't even like that. He spent time in prison because of mental illness. He drank when he could, and he smoked constantly. And when God gave me this desire to write my first book, the preface has the gospel message in it. My brother is, in, is um, smarter than me. There's three of us, and my older brother and I said, he's smart, but he couldn't be around people because of schizophrenia, paranoia, and manic depression hard to deal with. And I prayed for a year as I was writing this book that my brother would get this book, he would read that preface, he would read the gospel, and he's smart enough, I asked God to pray, I prayed for a clear mind that he might hear and receive the gospel message. Because he blamed God for being the way he was. He was grounded. He never got a chance to soar because of a mental disability. Um, didn't know what it was like. My book came out January 2019. It became available. I took it up to Western PA, gave some copies. I had a book signing up there. It was great, but I didn't see my brother. Um, he's a recluse and only comes out once in a while with uh, social things. And uh, I gave a copy to my mom. And I left on Sunday. Thursday, she said she went to go visit him and she gave him a copy of the book. And I'm praying, read this thing, Mark, and maybe God will connect you and the Spirit will work and you'll be, you'll be saved. Um, my mom went to give it to him and he was sick. She called him on Friday. She wanted to take him to the ER and he hated doctors, didn't want to be around him. Went uh, to go see him and door was locked and he wasn't there on Friday. She called Saturday, she called Sunday. My dad actually went down Monday and uh, a friend, one very of the few friends of my brother's actually broke a window, went into his apartment, found him dead on the floor. He died Thursday night, Friday morning. Never got a chance to read the book that I've been praying for over a year that he would read and get the gospel into him. Not only was my brother grounded, but I was grounded. for a short while. If you remember, I told you that DJ's dad instilled this idea for me to write a book back in 1996. My book came out in 2019. What's my excuse for all those years that I didn't write that book? That I wanted somebody like my brother to read it 
And he got it the night before he died and he did not read the book. So how do you deal with fixing the feathers that have been damaged in a situation like that? And I um, reckon with myself, I truly believe there's an age of accountability for young children that if they pass away and they're not of that age, that God will uh, welcome them into heaven. What about people with mental disabilities? That age of accountability isn't an age that we say, well, anybody under 10. My brother was 54 years old when he passed away. Probably due to life choices more than anything else. Self-inflicted cutting of the feathers that grounded him even more than he was. And so God allowed me to have peace with that, um, that his salvation wasn't on my account. It was on his account and possibly uh, God saw through him not having the ability to understand fully to have a sound mind. And so I challenge you, what's God calling you to do? Is there something God's been calling you to do, calling you to do for 10 years, 15 years, 20 years, 23 years like it was for me? This was a book that I wanted to write and I had a purpose for. I wanted people to read the salvation message, not just read a devotion, pat me on the back and say you wrote a nice book. It's a book about eternal consequences. God is in the restoration business and I felt that's what God was calling me to do when I wrote this book. Um, I've had blessings more than I can measure because I was obedient and wrote that book. I could ground myself and hold myself accountable and say I'm a failure because I didn't write it in enough time. My brother didn't get that book a month earlier or two years earlier. Um, and I can debilitate myself. But I chose to let God be God. And today, I can start. I don't care how old you are. Your work isn't done if you're breathing and you got up this morning. God's got a purpose for you to reach that neighbor, to reach that loved one, or to reach a perfect stranger and share the gospel with them. God didn't create you to be grounded and to lose feathers. God created you to soar. That's a message that I have that, that I wanted to share with, with you tonight. Um, if I come back with a wanna, I've got some other things that I bring um, other ant deer antlers and turtles and, and I'm a beekeeper. Sometimes I can even put bees in an observation hive and share. But um, I appreciate you giving me the opportunity to share. But uh, what's the boldest thing you ever did for Christ? Question number one. Question number two is when was that? My challenge is, don't be satisfied with that. Amen. Ask God what's next on the list. And be busy about sharing the gospel in this dark and dying world. Thank you, Pastor Richard.
Well, that's all for today. I hope this has made a positive impact in your relationship with Jesus. If you have never accepted Christ as your Savior and would like to know how, give one of our pastors a call at 301-724-5876. We would love nothing more than to share the good news with you. We hope to see you soon, and until next time, stay faithful.